Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. My name is Alex Drake. I was shot and found myself in 1983. Is it real or in my mind? Either way, I have to solve the mystery of what all this means and fight to get home. Because time is running out. Welcome to the Colton Collective Podcast. Now, here are your hosts. Dave AC and the Sixth Doctor. Hello, everybody, and I don't do it as well as. Uh, Ian the Sixth Doctor. Yes, we're starting our, what will be our final, yes, it's absolutely, definitely the end of the Ashes to Ashes Life on Mars universe, at least as far as this podcast is concerned, because we've done rather a few. Um, uh, we're not going to do our usual uh, welcoming of everybody in the room, although I will perhaps just briefly mention their names with our cone of silence. We're not going to do any news reports because the whole point about this particular show, as I, uh, I see that uh, my co-host Ian, uh, when I've got uh, Mike already, let me say hello to Mike first. Mike, uh, thanks for coming in on audio. And thanks for having me. Done. End of. Now pub. I'm just very glad to have you aboard and just as Ian gets himself settled in front of the PC let me just say we've got quite a number of people in the room who uh, as yet haven't got audio mics we've got Celestial Toymaker Liam Junkie Goldface Zimmy Pot uh, Romana too had to step away from the PC for a moment but he's hopefully going to be back Uh, Dave AC too I don't know who he is um but uh, uh, we've had a couple of guests come on, uh, but because we had a long uh, period when I was hoping to help people on the show, um, they've they've dropped off and hopefully we'll be coming back in. Now I'm hoping that Ian has settled himself in front of his PC and he's ready to chat. I have my Starbucks and I'm ready. Yes, I know, it's not wine, but... No, at this time of the day, after a Friday, the weekend starts here for you, Ian. The weekend yes. starts here. Yes, okay. it does. All righty. Uh, well, we, I just played the opening. I'd already said, uh, I don't really call it, uh, I didn't want to go through all the news and intros and cone of silence. We're even giving the typing monkey the day off. That's just how kind we are. And well, after today... It isn't an American typing monkey, so it's actually, and it's Memorial Weekend here, so um, we're ah. giving him Memorial Weekend off. Although he is, <laughs> he is gonna, I think he's gonna be phoning in on uh, Sunday with uh, his typewriter. 
<laughs> wherever he is. Radio. <laughs> okay. Well, um, the, the um, we're we're in a slight position here today of the fact that um, the people on mic, that's uh, Mike indeed. The Six Doctor Ian Romana, who uh, had to step away for the moment, but is hopefully coming back in. Um, we're the ones that have just done the uh, the studio wrap-up show of Life on Mars and Ashes to Ashes. But so I'm just going to briefly recap the little goodies that you can check out. And of course, all from now on will be spoilerish. But if you have uh, been following just the odd little hint, the odd little chat, the odd little uh, uh, message I put out on various sites, as has Ian, uh, you'll know that uh, the Colton Collective covers all sorts of science fiction and cult TV films, uh, books, uh, audio, whatever. Uh, for the past a uh, couple of months we've been focusing on the UK airing of the series one of Matt Smith as the new Doctor Who, the 11th Doctor. And those have been the dominating influence over our Sundays. Our normal live show each Sunday goes out at 2pm Eastern Daylight Time on this ID, Torchshow ID 54821. And you can call in on your phone if you're in the States on that on the number 724-444-7444 and uh, join in both the text chat and if you've uh, got your microphone sorted out come in and make contributions on the audio side of things so uh, that has been our usual thing but we don't ignore other cult programs and uh, the three main people here on mic uh, Ian, Mike and myself are really, and as Tim Jury it steps into the room having just listened to our um, commentary episode, uh, we've, we've been really enthralled with the culmination of the Life on Mars Ashes to Ashes series. Two series of uh, 16 episodes in total Life on Mars, three series 24 episodes in total of Ashes to Ashes uh, and they've come to a fantastic uh, denouement, great ending. And what we did is we, uh, when the seventh episode, the penultimate episode had aired, we did a speculation show. And that is also uh, something that you can find quite easily on the Torchu site. Uh, 54821 uh, five, are at the podcast alley, are of course on iTunes. Uh, following that, we watched uh, episode 8 of course with everybody else thrilled and spellbound and we did a commentary show that's where you play your uh, BBC iPlayer version your legal version of the episode you turn the sound down and you listen to what we are saying and we did a <laughs> show Fools. what? Sorry. <laughs> well Fools. actually it was one of our it was actually a very good commentary but in as much as we got so absorbed in um, what we were watching, that uh, there were the odd times when we forgot to speak. And that is quite, <laughs> as you can tell from the way I've been talking without taking breath now for three minutes, sometimes... It makes it very difficult to edit the man. <laughs> it, it's not unlike some proper DVDs, Dave, because you put some of these Doctor Who DVDs on now and again, and yeah. they have people on the commentary who haven't seen the thing for 20 years, and they right. go, ooh... And they sit there all quiet, and um, well, like, thankfully they're not all like that because people like Peter Davison do watch it the night before, so they get it, they get, they get that bit out of their system, and then actually have something to say. 
Right, right. Well, absolutely. Well, of course, that episode is up. And then, just to bring a great bounty to you people, uh, we uh, enlisted Romana too, Samantha, to, to come on board with Mike in, and myself. And we did our studio wrap-up show. But uh, from... Um, well, do you want to just give a bit of the background of what you were seeing on the forums, Ian, that gave us the suggestion that a live show might be in order? Um, oh, he's caught me with my pants down and my coffee up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I had, before the final episode aired, I came across the Railway Arms, and uh, it's a great little community, all about Ashes to Ashes and Life on Mars and everything in between. And so I figured, let's give those people a chance to uh, to come on and, and, and have their say. So anybody in the room from the Railway Arms, put your hand up. <laughs> no, no, come on, come on, don't be shy, don't be shy. <laughs> so we've invited them. Um, I'm hoping that they're bussing people in as we speak. <laughs> but yes, uh, that was that was the, the main idea behind it, was to get other people in, and also the fact that because we're tied up with Doctor Who at the moment, it makes it very difficult to catch all these other shows that we're missing out on. I mean, we will be doing kind of uh, catch-up shows once Doctor Who is over, and catching up on everything that's uh, had a, a series uh, wrap-up, like Lost and Flash Forward, uh, things that are uh, have just had their um, season finale, like uh, Fringe, and I think Stargate's is, Stargate Universes is coming up soon. And so there's a lot going on out there, and so once we get done with Doctor Who, there'll be lots to talk about, I know. Right. Uh, and the other one, that uh, the Railway Arms also has a Facebook fan page, uh, and we also found the Ashes to Ashes fan page. And uh, and I actually, uh, one of the things, well, people who follow my tweets will know, I quite often tweet uh, little things or snippets that I've seen on the Digital Spy site in the UK. Uh, but they have a very active forums. I go on there mainly uh, for all the technical forums that are on about uh, you know TVs and satellite and so on. Uh, but they have an, an, an active uh, subsection, uh, cult section. There's a subsection of that, of course, uh, that was on uh, Torchwood uh, and was on um, Doctor. Well, is on Doctor Who, and then of course uh, there were all the other ones. And Ashes to Ashes has been really, really busy. Anyway, uh, that's enough. Just uh, well, let me just ask if um, um, if Mike, and then I'll ask. Uh, uh, Tim, just to give um, you know where 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 they rate Life on Mars, Ashes to Ashes in their sort of hierarchy of cult programs. You know, to uh, well, I watch it because it's on. To um, actually, it rivals Doctor Who, something like that. And then and then I'll play a couple of clips to get us more into the actual mood and and doing some analysis. Okay, so if I can go to Mike first, and then I'll go to Tim. So Mike, where where do you put it in the pantheon of? Uh, of cult programs. Well, for for what it, for what it was, and the the five years that both shows together made up, it was a rather enjoyable series. It's one that I definitely recommend. And you're going to have to cut somebody else because I'm going off the internet. Oh. Okay, we'll catch we'll catch you back. Uh, he has issues. <laughs> no, yeah, no, he has issues that when the when somebody rings on the audio phone, it seems to drop his uh, line connection. Okay. So, uh, more s uh, quicker sooner than I thought. Tim, um, where do you rate 
the life on Mars, and if you can group them together, you might you might say one's totally different to the other. But uh, do you want just well, an initial thought on those? I think life on Mars was pretty much appointment viewing when it was on. You had to see it every week. It was like the highlight of the week, and it was yeah, life on Mars is on. Let's get everything done and sorted. Must be sat in front of that telly waiting for life on Mars. I think Ashes took a bit of time to get going. I think in the first series, I may even have missed a couple of episodes that I didn't see till the DVD came out. And I, I right. sort of gradually got into Ashes. And I think um, I think it... it, it did actually improve as it went along. I was pointing out to my brother tonight while I was re-watching that last episode that certain things like the use of music in it has improved greatly since the first series. Because in the first series of it, they were, ah, yeah, well, we'll stick in an 80s track here. And it kind of like pulled you out and distracted you a bit, This the way they were using the m music at the time. And right. if you watch the third series in particular, uh, the use of mo music in it is absolutely seamless. It's wonderfully atmospheric and suits the mood of the way the plot's going and everything. But, um, right, so in, uh, in terms of um, British uh, sci-fi, uh, how do you think it holds up against the best that uh, uh, American can produce. I think Life on Mars does definitely. Life on Mars is 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 one of those shows that um, you'll be able to come back to it time and time again. One and of those shows that should never be copied by American TV. Oh wait. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I can't personally say that because I bought the DVD of the American version as well. Because it, right. it's far from perfect, the American version, but it's not. I've seen far worse things out of American TV than that. But, um, no, as I say, it's one of those shows that you'll be able to come back to years from now, and the writing and the acting in it is so good, you'll you'll say, oh, what should we do today? Oh, yeah, let's watch an old Life on Mars episode. And you might not watch the whole DVD, but you might just pick out a favourite one. But yeah. um, I think it, it it will stand the test of time, and it has that thing that is to its benefit of being on British television, where we'll make eight episodes a series, and then another eight episodes, and then another eight episodes, and then the writers say, yep, let's finish it there. And you don't get that on American telly. As soon as something's successful... There's some executive going, ah, we must make five series of this and 20 episodes a series. And time and time again, I've seen American shows where it's clear that they've run out of ideas and right. they've made way too many episodes of the thing. I mean, that's 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 the way I view the differences between American and British TV is, is that in America, they, they squeeze the heck out of a concept, whereas... And that, and that was one of the things that struck me about Life on Mars, is 
they did they did two two series. I mean, I know um, John Sim decided he didn't want to go forward, but then that was enough. They were just like, okay, we're done. You know, they didn't like automatically recast him or yeah. <laughs> That's what they would do on American TV if somebody dropped out. They'd just, you know, write somebody else in and write the other person out and 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 bowl on and just milk it dry. But that's that's the beauty beauty of, of British TV is you guys know when to stop. Most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> big Brother? <huh? laughs> Last year was a Big Brother this year. Right. Uh, well, as we just wait for Mike to come back in, uh, and, we'll, we'll, and I'll play a couple of clips from it, where do you rate it, Ian? If you have, because I, I don't think we actually discussed uh, the two series in our where they stood it compared to other uh, programs. We were just gushing about uh, how well they'd brought the series to an end. Well, so, it's, an, it's an interesting thing because it it sits on very different levels for me. I mean, it's one of my favourite ones because it, you know it's done it's did so many things that TV hadn't done. Uh, but again, it doesn't. I mean, now that I know the end, it puts a very different spin on it. Doctor Who is is never ending. Uh, Blake Seven was, you know, I mean, yeah, you know the ending of that, but there was still a lot oh, of adventure in there. And what? It's Blake Seven ending. I mean, that was uh, cathartic. That was. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry, spoilers. <laughs> oh, who <laughs> <laughs> said that? Um, but yeah, it, it's it. it it's it's somewhere in the middle. It's one of those shows I I always recommend to people. If if I know you know if they say oh yeah I was watching this thing on BBC America I'm like oh you like BBC TV you know you like British shows I'm like you gotta watch this you know. Um, and the good thing about it is it it sits in that grey area between you know, people who like cop shows and uh, murder mysteries and. Uh, Fantasy and science it can all kind of just kind of camp around that show because there's so many things that can satisfy in there. You know, you you can watch it for the uh, for the the case of the week. You can watch it for the the ongoing story of of, of what Sam Tyler's doing back there or Alex Drake. You can do you can be in there for the comedy, and so it it ranks as a cult show I think pretty high because. Of the amount of, well, how accessible it is to to the general public. And, and don't forget, of course, a lot of people uh, fondly remember. Well, there are parts of the seventies that perhaps some of the fashion and the uh, the trousers that fellas used to wear, and some of the uh, you know the droopy mustaches and things. But I mean, mm. basically, a lot of people that was um, a, a simpler time for them. In fact, you know, it was. You work five days a week and went to watch the footy match on a Saturday. Certainly in the UK, and um, there, and you know, you could shout what you wanted at the side of the football match. You weren't called a racist or this, that, and the other. Uh, quite wrongly, perhaps now. But the point is, it it does seem to be a little release valve to people to be able to watch it. Now, Mike's obviously having some difficulty coming on there, so let's just uh, uh, remind ourselves what we're talking about. I'm going to play the opening credits to Life on Mars and then the opening credits to uh, Ashes to Ashes. Uh, then we'll, we'll begin a little bit of a topic, and then I've got uh, a few clips to fill in the void, as it were, as we go along. So just to remind you, 
as if you needed it, and just to get your pulses racing, one minute of Life on Mars. My name is Sam Tyler. I had an accident and I woke up in 1973. Am I mad? In a coma? Or back in time? Whatever's happened, it's like I've landed on a different planet. Now maybe if I can work out the reason, I can get home. Folks, was not actually Life on Mars. That was Ian driving back from work to make the yes. start of this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> right, let's Liam, hear. Liam still white as a sheet. <laughs> <laughs> let's play uh, the opening credits to Ashes to Ashes, just for a quick comparison back to back. My name is Alex Drake. I was shot and found myself in 1983. Is it real or in my mind? Either way, I have to solve the mystery of what all this means and fight to get home. Because time is running out. And I mean, isn't it? I mean, a, a good theme song really, really helps uh, a show g- get into your system. Uh, Ian, what's yeah. your ringtone at the moment? Oh, uh, well, let me see. <laughs> so I had to turn it up because of being on the show, of course. Yeah. Uh, I don't we're think we're here. Playing for time, folks. <laughs> just playing for time. No, okay, you're not ready to do that. Okay, no, no, well, no, let no, me... I am, I am, I am, just... Here it comes. I think you can hear that. Yep. Well, we just heard it, so I'll... That's my ringtone at the moment. Right. Well, that's so just to get to the life on Mars one. Uh, he's a real fan. Now, what I, what I thought I'd do is, um, again, before we get, we'll, we'll wait over the mic to die. I think he's had to restart his computer. Um, uh, I've got a few clips, and we're going to be mainly concentrating on uh, Ashes to Ashes because us old folks can't remember all of Life on Mars and all its little things. But we will mention Life on Mars as it refers to this. So, uh, this is the um, the opening of. Um, Series 3, so we're jumping right to Series 3, because that's the one that people have just watched for the eight series, the opening of Episode 1, Series 3. Quite frankly, your guess is as good as mine. (laughs) 
sense of dislocation is natural. The place that you went to in your subconscious felt completely real. But what if it was real? You weren't there. You didn't see them. You still hearing voices? No. And are you dreaming about him? Molly to stay with her father. Because I have to, to deal with this by myself. So you want to return there? I thought it was all in my head. But Sam Tyler was in a coma too. He was a copper in the same place. Now how is that possible? Sam told me when he woke up. He told me that he could hear them begging him for help and he listened. But what if it is a real place? What if Sam and I both had a Alex, Sam Tyler is dead, and the world you describe isn't real. Now, the strange thing is, I found uh, uh, the Alex Drake character's slightly breathy voice sometimes a bit difficult to listen to when I was watching the programme, but in my headphones, it sounded <laughs> rather good. Sorry. <laughs> yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, series, uh, I think Tim mentioned it. Hello? Sorry, I'm getting a call. <laughs> I got to turn my phone back down. To the to the bat phone. Should I mute you? No, I'll mute myself. Okay. Um, right. Um, Tim, uh, I mean, I, I think you said uh, Ashes to Ashes got better and better. I'm not so sure that Series 2 was as strong. I mean, I, I know that's the clip from Series 3, but, uh, you know, how... how I mean, do you... Do you do, was Stan... Series three, the standout series for you, uh, was there definitely just you know a natural progression? Because I, I felt as though series one was strong, but of course that was trading on a lot of, you know, we we're almost expected to see Sam Tyler by the end of it, and then series two seemed a bit protracted with the roses and other features, uh, and not quite as scary as I when quite you had like the... series two. Okay. Series two had that. Um... Um, I can't remember the name of the actor now, but the the person that that was um, uh, uh, they told Alex that they were another person also in a coma in modern day. Oh, that's and right. Yeah. Busy trying to. I thought that was a good. It, it, it ran as a good arc plotline throughout the series. That because he he sort of in the earliest episodes he was kind of a mysterious character who she didn't quite know. And right. then he becomes really dark and gets her into trouble. And by the end of it, you you get his backstory and you see how it all ties up. I, I thought that worked rather well. Right, right. Yeah, let me just remind you, Series 1 of Ashes to Ashes was in 1981. And that was the... Um, then uh, set, uh, the second series was set in 82 uh, in the background of the Falklands War. Eight uh, episodes... Um, this, um, as the series progresses, Alex' comatose body is found in present day 19, uh, in 2008. As Gene finds himself confronted with corrupt force, Alex begins receiving a string of phone calls from a man called Martin Summers, another patient in hospital that Alex has been moved to. Summers proves to be a formal, 
formidable adversary and his actions eventually lead to a, a shocking murder and the most tense confrontation yet between Alex and Jean. And of course, as we say, all these are spoilers that we're talking about now. So, uh, you know, don't expect us to hold back on on plot points on things like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I take your point. I think I probably have to. Re- I mean, and I think one or two people have said this. They're they're actually going to go back. Luckily, the the DVD box sets of both series have come down dramatically in price, and I, I do feel as though. It, uh, it, it will be a time for many people to revisit the whole uh, 40 episodes and so on. Okay. Well, I noticed well, um, recently um, some adverts in magazines that they were releasing um, both series of Life on Mars on Blu-ray. And I thought, huh? well, I, I thought, well, they didn't shoot it in HD, so I thought I'd look into it before I decided whether to buy it or not. And I probably won't buy it because... Uh, in people's reviews on Amazon, it says that um, they shot it on, um, well, it would either be 16mm film or it would be a slightly higher for The, the format Super 16, perhaps. Super yes. 16, but they didn't edit it in high def. They did the edit on standard def equipment. And right. so to put it out on Blu-ray, your only real advantage is you've got all the episodes on one disc and it may drag a smidgen more picture quality out of it than the DVD, but I, I'd be very surprised if it's a, a huge, right. great deal different. Well, well first thing, Whereas, I, I, like, whereas Ashes, Ashes to Ashes Series 3 was actually yeah. made in HD. That's right, yeah. Having said that, they'd done, they'd put a, uh, uh, quite a lot of grain in it, into it to give it and an slightly muted colours. Um, although, and, uh, and, and, and I think again, this is a point that you made. Um, there's quite, uh, it was either you or Mike that there's quite a lot of red featured in Series Three. The colour red seems to sort of be popping up all over the place. Um, you know, maybe it's that just that to give that subconscious fear element that sometimes comes into your mind that's associated with that colour. So, well, just while we wait for Ian to rejoin us, and Mike, hopefully, is getting back in. Now, uh, that was, um, as I say, the opener to episode one of series three. Uh, let's just play, and I'm doing this to give us a little bit of a, uh, a, ju- a juggle to our memory, and as we wait for more people to come on Mike, this is, uh, again, series three, episode two, and this is the opening, which has a little bit of a recap, of course, from episode one. I'm a bit of a superstitious person, and I happen to agree with you, Alex. You are back for a reason. Gene Hunt is at the heart of this. You're all right. Are you fooled everyone into believing in you? But I have the unpopular job of showing the world what you really are. I know what you did three years ago. The things you've done, oh, they won't want to believe it. But in the end, they will.
and that uh, I think actually should give us a little bit of a thing to talk about because one of the great things throughout this series, uh, and I think uh, you've spotted quite a few, is is these sort of um, little what would you call them? Uh, surreal clips i mean they've been the well, clips they're kind of television. dream dreams within the dream aren't they yeah um that was a a really bizarre one seeing gene hunt uh, stomping about in this uh, mechanic place with his quattro there and uh alex we need, we need samantha on don't we that yeah, must have been yeah. one of her favorite moments of the series <laughs> well I, I thought she was coming back she did say she had some things to see to but um and and of course the other thing that they kept doing was re- uh, referencing children's uh television programs certainly they did that quite frequently in uh, life on mars was it trumpton and one or two others that uh, got um, the uh, there's that great uh, it's an episode where uh sam has been overdosed with a drug while he's in his coma and so everything all goes a bit weird and surreal. And it, I think the episode actually starts with the whole uh, Trumpton animation. And uh, uh, he, he's kind of like losing it throughout the episode, but he's trying to hold on because he's spotting clues in their investigation. There's the odd one or two things they're missing, and so he's trying to help them. Right. Um, there's that great line right near the end where he grabs Gene and he says, stay out of Trumpton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just for Liam in the room, who's one of our younger members, uh, that that was um, a young, well, I was going to say cartoon, but it wasn't, it was stop motion it's animation, a, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a great little stop motion animation. They actually uh, revived some of the characters a few years back, didn't they, Dave, when they did one of those promos for the BBC yeah, and uh, I'll try and find. Here's a link for him. 1967. Wow. But uh, being as it was a successful show, they reran it and reran it and reran it. And so uh, you grew up watching it. I grew up watching it. It's kind of like part of the consciousness in this country. Yeah. And, and, and these things were they were both marvelous to watch, and then. Uh, at first you thought it threw you and then uh, as the series went on you were looking out for little things like that and and just let me tell the people who are hopefully listening to this later from one of our different feeds we have got a number of people in the room uh, but unfortunately uh, they're not able to come on microphone Uh, Mike and uh, Ian have just uh, had to uh, go off mic so uh, Ian, uh, sorry, Tim and myself are just carrying the conversation. So I'm just going to play another one. uh, And again, we'll see. These should help us as little things. And then we'll spend the last, um, you know, 15 to 20 minutes more towards the actual uh, last episode itself. So we're just building up to that, getting everybody's into the mood. So this is Series 3, Episode 3, Opening Recap. I'm not sure about friends. He was more of a mentor, really. Were you there when they found his car in the river? It was the guy who found his car. My name's Jim, and I've been looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> I've thought long and hard about this. I've spoken to senior officers, and I'm resigning from the Metropolitan Police. I'm not asking you to be disloyal to his memory. I just... Sam Tyler was a friend of mine. Sam Tyler died. End of. I hear you've been in touch with Manchester. There are some files I was interested in. You think he killed him, don't you? I don't know what you're talking about. I think he did too. 
No, there's two things I'd like to ask. Uh, well, certainly now, Tim. Um, one is, uh, you know, di did you ever think that Sam was going to make a reappearance uh, in terms of the actual... Uh, or did you feel as though that, you know, because of the actual finances and organisation, it was unlikely? And the other thing is, um, I haven't asked you which of any of these main characters, you know, really struck a chord with you that you sort of, you really took to w within enjoying the story as a whole. Now you can try to take both those questions or, or choose one to concentrate on. Well, certainly in the sort of week of transmission of the final episode, there was a lot of speculation in the last few days that people were going, oh, yes, yes, hope Sam Tyler shows up and I hope he shows And I kept thinking, well, I don't think he needs to show up, really, because this is Alex's show. It's her story. And in the end, I think they struck a good um, sort of compromise because they... Um, sort of showed him without actually having to employ John Sim, who who may have, let's face it, been busy at the time and not even able to do a cameo. Right. Yeah, we see... Well, that, we see that, that, and, that and he famously uh, left Life on Mars after just two series because he doesn't like to do um, huge amounts of television. I think he he fears it will get him typecast quite easily and so uh, I don't think he's done anything more than two series of anything on British telly I could be wrong Right, well uh, in a minute I'll ask Ian to comment on that about a possible third series on Life on Mars because he's just come back in the room but before that what about some of your favourite characters I mean were there some people that you, you know you, I think we were going to either do one of the Cult and Collective podcasts and Ian I think it's one we've still got slated you know you watch a program simply because of one character you quote unquote fall in love with. But I mean, were there any real characters? I mean, one of the characters that grew on me an awful lot more was uh, Ray. I thought his character really developed in the whole series. But I mean, I, and I loved Charles from the start. But and 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 I liked from the earlier series uh, Annie as well. Was it? Um, uh, yeah. And is that right? That I've got the name right, haven't I? Yeah. Uh, Annie Cartwright, yeah. But uh, any particular characters you want to mention, other than, of course, you can argue the three main ones are Gene Hunt, uh, Sam Tyler, mm. and Alex Drake, but any of the other characters? Well, you know, I, I, I'd agree with you that, that Shaz is a great character, and um, they're, they're, also it's been good that they've um, given her the ability to develop throughout the three series. Which you don't always get. Sometimes you can get a drama that runs for three series and they've decided what that character's function is and that's all they do. But she's um, become increasingly involved and you get this great moment at the near the end of the last episode where she gets that promotion to CID and you think, oh... That's that's a that's um, the gov bringing her back on side, and she she comes back on side pretty quickly at that moment. Well, of course that was. Um, I mean, we'll go into that at the end because that's part of her acceptance. But yeah. One little surprise, without going right to the end of the story yet, because we'll save that for a little bit later in the podcast. But uh, what did you think about the revelation that she actually had died 
in the in the nineties, not in a different time period to those. I mean, was that something that caught you by surprise? Or that, was it, that, wasn't, oh. that wasn't something I noticed myself until I watched it again tonight. Because there's just so much information in that one hour last episode, and um, my own brother was among two people this week who I've actually had to explain the conclusion of Ashes to Ashes 2 because sometimes it's other people having to explain stuff to me but I watched it last week and I thought well I mean I can see what's going on I can see the the themes they're developing here and that and tonight I ended up having to explain it all again to my brother and say yes yes look one of them's taken them to heaven and another one's taken them in the other direction and all this sort of stuff and Right. And he, it, it, it was my brother that pointed out that um, she was in the nineties because he's a big um, oh, I see. he's a big fan of he's a big fan of cars. And oh, so right. he, he saw the number plate and he went, ah, that's not the eighties. That's um, whenever it was about early about ninety four or something. Okay, uh, well, uh, you've, you've actually touched on something else that we'll save till later, and that was the, you know, the length of the final episode. But Ian's back in the room, so Ian, do you want to just mention what um, uh, Tim had talked about? There was the fact that about uh, you know the uh, Sam Tyler character only doing or uh, being in it for two series. I mean, I know you've mentioned it before, so you might want to just do it briefly. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a, a big, interesting topic. The whole situation because. Uh, the writers had originally intended to just do, you know, uh, three series of Life on Mars and be done with the whole thing. And it was going to wrap up the way it did with Ashes to Ashes at the end of Life on Mars. But of course, Johnson said, no thanks. So they wrote an ending for him and, and left it at that. Uh, and like Tim was saying, there was a lot of speculation. Oh, do you think Sam Tyler's going to show up? Do you think Sam Tyler's going to show up? I never... and for one minute thought that he would show up. It was good to see little glimpses of him where they showed clips. Uh, and, of course, you know, some of the visual things, mm. like at the very end, where she sees him behind the door. It was well yeah. done. I mean, a lot of people free, uh, did a, a screen cap of that and were analyzing the ears and everything. It looks very much like, I think that's yeah, they been... Did it, I think, they, for in a passing class, they did very a very good job. A lot of people, aficionados, would probably disagree with us and say, nope, 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 ears are all wrong. You can tell by the shape of the eyes. <laughs> um, but I think it would have cheapened Alex's story by having him there, because then... And also... Gene's story, because mm. then you throw basically the central character from Life on Mars right into this mix, and then it becomes a three-hander, and just it wouldn't work. It would it would uh, yeah. take too much attention away from from the the two main characters, which were Gene and Alex. And so I'm I'm glad that they didn't. And you know, and it also good, helped good us move. get blindsided, didn't it? The very fact that she was pursuing that. Uh, when actual fact, the clues were actually all there, uh, the little breadcrumbs, if we'd have followed them, in right. the other direction, which was the was the reveal at the end. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, let me move on, because um, I've got a clip here. Uh, it's very difficult finding clips, I'm sure. I could have easily clip, uh, picked clips that, you know, just famous catchphrases, but this is, to me, the earliest, well, the earliest 
time point in series three where it looked as though something other was going on than what you thought. And this is from episode three, and it's where Ray is accosted by Keats um, in the corridor. I think he just says something like, tension, or something like that, uh, because he's, there's this thing about uh, Ray having been, uh, or his father was a soldier, and all this uh, guilt and problems that he had going on. So let me just uh, play it. It's uh, just over a minute and a half. Apologies for the length. <laughs> Heard you were an army man? No, not me. Army background? Well, it's wonderful. <laughs> Do you know what? I think you're a clever bloke. Oh, yeah. And how's that? Because you didn't follow your old man. You wanted to, though, didn't you? Because you didn't want to let him down, but you saw it wasn't for you, and do you know why? Because you're an independent thinker, Ray. Yeah, can make me on decisions. Yeah, that's why there's no shame in not following your dad. Because the army, oh, they'll knock that shit out of you. It's all shut up and follow orders. They're like your gov. But you, oh. You're a free mind. DCI Hunt doesn't really like that, does he? When he was out of the picture, you made the eye. Yeah, I suppose I did. That's all right, it's not a trick. I'm just saying, if ever the police offer you the chance to move on from here and be your own man, don't balk at it. Gene Hunt is an amazing fella, amazing. But you don't need him. You won't be letting him down. Join you. Isn't that what you say? It's not like switching from City to United. We're all on the same team. Now, is anybody else with me? Is that... Uh, uh, Ian, uh, do you want to... Yeah. I mean, is that a scene that you liked? Is it a scene where you felt as though, hello, something's stirring here? Or were you already, you know, well on game by then? Well, it, it's funny hearing it back, because the penny drops there, especially <laughs> when he does the... Attention, because it means a lot more now. Looking back on it, you go, "Oh, that's just fly," you know. Um, because while he's just there saying, "Oh, yeah, heard you were an army man," you know, kind of shrinks back from what he's was actually doing, and and then uses that tactic to get in under his skin and say, "Oh, yeah, you know, you can you can you can do without Jane," you know, you. You can take you're a take take charge kind of guy, you know. Yeah, and if you uh, get an offer to move. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 fun. I'm, gonna, I'm definitely gonna have to watch <laughs> the whole thing back again because, <laughs> especially just that clip there, it just makes me go, oh man, I've really got to go back and look at all this stuff, and I'm wondering if way back in. Um. Uh, Life on Mars, if there was any of these clues about their, especially Chris and Ray's uh, characters, whether they'd worked out back then how they actually died. Because assuming that they had gone through with the third series of Life on Mars, you know, were things still the same? Because you know, as a writer, you can't help but tinker. And so it would be interesting to know what the original yeah. ending was. And I hope if they ever do it, um, they, when they release a box set DVD, I'm hoping that there's a bit on there where they sit and talk about how they would have ended life on Mars. 
Right. And Tim, same sort of question. Was that one of the earliest scenes or that, that, that you felt as well? Because, I mean, it was always a bit creepy, this character, wasn't he? I mean, and he was trying to be divisive with the group. But, um, I mean, when you listen back to it, as Ian said, it takes on quite a deeper meaning. I think I picked up on more things with it, I think, as um, people were reviewing it on the podcasts. Because I wasn't really analysing it myself as I was watching it. I was just kind of like sitting back and enjoying it. I wasn't, of course, wasn't yeah. trying to pick it pick it to pieces every week. But um, there's been some sterling work done over on the uh, Flashing Blade podcast by Jo. She's been um, doing her Joe Gets It Wrong feature where she tries to analyse that week's Ashes to Ashes and work out what's um, what's going on in the ongoing plot. But, um, no, it, 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 it's, it's only after people have pointed some of these things out that I've started noticing them in the episode, like um, when they go in Keats's office, um, that there's this kind of it's not it's not an overwhelming uh glow of red or anything but but there's a sort of yeah it's it, 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 it sort of subtly hinted at it it's it's one of these things the director of photography has done there's very subtle changes in the lighting so there's a different feel to that room to the rest yeah. of the station yeah. And the fact you need uh, a heater in there. That was one of the first things when you get he's like, can I get a bloody heater in here? You know, and wanted it warmer. Uh It's like, yeah, it's lots of nice foreshadowing in there that I'm just dying to, you know, to be able to spend the time. And maybe I'll take a day off, day or two off work and just sit there. (laughs) Guilty (laughs) pleasure. I don't take Mm -hmm. any time off work normally, so maybe maybe I'll just treat myself (laughs) and sit here, veg out. And watch all of them. I'm going to figure out how much time that'll take. <laughs> right, let me move us on because we can't go through every episode. I'm going to move us to uh, the start of episode seven. This is uh, again will be sort of a recap from up to seven. So it moves us on a little bit and gives us another talking point. I can see why Sam needed to come back here. There's something about this world, about my place in it. I know what you did three years ago. Said you're in outer space, saw stars and everything. You saw stars? Of course I didn't. He's talking cobblers. You ever stared at something so long the rest of your vision goes black? Why don't we need Alex now, before it's too late? Viva, you're receiving me, over. The good ship Fenchurch is listing, G. A crack in the hole is only going to get wider. What now? Right, do you want to talk about Viv a minute, uh, Ian? Or? One of those underrated characters who just kind of sat there under the under everything, you know. And that's the beauty of it, because you get to that bit and you don't want Viv to die, you know. And, and it kind of takes you by surprise. Because you're not expecting, you know, to have actually really noticed him. Just like, oh, that's that guy at the desk, you know. But 
it kind of, it does. It sneaks up on you, and you're like, no, don't kill Viv. Yeah. It's like one of those. Well, and plus, he's 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 always nice. I mean, you know, Ray and Chris, they have their moments of being good and bad, but you know, then they kind of they almost destroy Viv, you know, completely and utterly. He does something really bad, and and that again has its own connotations with 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 Keats. Mm. And well, you wonder whether he set up the whole thing in order to put uh, his... Because, I, I mean, I don't know how the, the, the whole mechanics of, of this little limbo state that they're all in work. I mean, if they do something bad and they and they actually die in that universe, what happens? Do they automatically go to hell? Because that just puts another sinister take on Keats' character because there were at least two people in that, that he led down that route. Well, well, the thing for me uh, that I found very difficult to understand at the time, and it only makes sense when you watch the end of it, is the bit uh, when when uh, Viv is on the corridor floor and Keats is bending over him, and uh, you think, is he whispering in his ear? Is he strangling him to get the last of his life out of him? Or uh, what we now think is perhaps happening, he was in the process of taking his soul at that moment. Uh, I don't know if either of you two want to comment on that point. Tim. Ooh. <laughs> um, I mean, did it seem? Did it seem when you? I mean, when you watch the bit in the corridor when you know Viv's appears to be still alive, but and then Keats over him. Did it? Did it seem funny at the time, or did you? You know, I was just thinking I, he was concerned. Or oh, what? it was. It was a, certainly a good moment to start. Um, where they were revealing these dark sides of Keats's character, because um, he's alone with Viv at that point, isn't he? And and yeah. and and he he starts doing stuff that he clearly didn't do in front of the rest of them, and and you you're sitting there watching him going, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> in case in case of I knew he was a bit iffy, but I didn't know he was quite this dark. Yeah, it wasn't clear whether he was actually going to physically do something like you know, hold no, his hand, hand over his mouth or something. Um, yeah, I thought something. he was going to kill him there and yeah. then. Like so, uh, whispering to his ear, well, saying, "You know, go now. It's you know time." Or that's that's the point at which I got the idea that he was some kind of reaper or or something along that nature. Because if you notice what he does with Viv, it's exactly the same. Uh, process he went through with, and I can't remember the name of the character, but the uh, the undercover cop that uh, switched oh, sides outside the nightclub. No, 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 no. The undercover, oh. the 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 woman cop that uh, is uh, is on assignment and oh, it turns course, out that yeah. she's turned turncoat yeah. on them, and he does exactly the, same, the way he holds her head and cradles her is exactly what he does to Viv, and it's, in a way, it's kind of a comforting thing, but you just kind of notice that there's a certain positioning of hands, and, and the way he's kind of, most people, they just, you know, put their arms into the person and hold them to them. He... It, it was he like a sacred cup, moment for him. Right, it? he kind of cupped their heads with with his hands, almost like it was a, a process, and that's... It wasn't so noticeable when she died, but when he did it to Viv, that's when you're like, oh, we've seen this before, there's something to this. 
Right. Okay, well, we're going to move us on because, um, you know, we're getting near to the hour Now, we've played this clip before, but no apologies to it because it's one of my favourite scenes. It's where it's the dancing scene towards the end of uh, episode seven. You don't hear a bell, but. Dave, it's it's also a um, <laughs> a, a bit of a, an in joke with Dave and I because uh, there's a, something that got left on the cutting room floor <laughs> after we did our <laughs> at one of yeah. our previous shows. It will remain a secret unless Dave wants <laughs> to reveal it. But yeah, I, well, I, she said she said uh, when he says to when Jean says to her, "You've got the herb Albert," and she puts this tape and she said, "You haven't got any clips." No, 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 He's he's on the couch and she goes, let's dance. He goes, Gene Hunt does not dance. <laughs> and and Alex gets up off the couch and she actually says he doesn't he also doesn't hug Chris Skelton. Ah. And Dave ah. misheard that as he doesn't have Chris Skelton and then goes and puts a tape in. This is a tape by Chris Skelton. So as we came out of the clip on the original show, Dave said, now that, of course, was Chris Skelton. <laughs> I'm going to mute you. I was doing so well. They're thinking I'm quite professional here. Dave's running this show rather well, isn't he? And they, uh, their feet are paddling under the water like crazy. Yeah. But, um, you see, the, the brilliant thing now is when people look back and, and, and listen, or go and listen to the episode, they'll realise how brilliant my editing is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but the thing is about... The, I mean... They say, how will I write the next line? It's easy. Mm-hmm. You use the song lyrics to do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's that, and I think that's what Tim was alluding to. Yeah. We're, we're, at the beginning where they were just kind of dropping songs in. It's like, oh, yeah, let's put this 80s tune in and that 80s tune. But as the, especially in Series 3, the, a lot of the songs that were used were inserted to uh, illustrate the point and to kind of go hand in hand with whatever was going on on the screen, and it was nicely done. Yeah, yeah. Whether we're reading okay. it into it or not, I don't know if it was intentional. It could just be us. We right. are fans, of course. You know. Uh, any comment you want to make on that little section before we, because we we want to move on to episode eight soon. No, no, Dave. Let's get on to episode eight. Right. Um, well, 
I'll skip out the bit about the stars because that's referred to. So I'm going to go to um, this is a preview um, of episode eight. You've done so much to help everybody around you, Alex. Now you have to help yourself, and that means trusting me. Easy, Alex. Map of Lancashire, you asked for, Mum. Thanks. Sir. Why did Shaz give you that map? She's about bloody tired again. Oh, God, I don't think I can be in the same room as you anymore, Alex. Why? Because you're so angry you might do something. Perhaps you can take a look at these when you get a moment. Trust me, they're in your best interest. Hunt will try and twist you around his finger one last time. I promise you, before this is over, he will try and trick you. And when that moment comes, you will not. And I'm going to play the opening to episode eight straight after that. A body found in a shallow grave on farmland. Maybe that of a police officer. Sam Tyler lost his life. Murdered. Now it's down to you, Alex, to find out from Hunt's own mouth how he did it, where he did it, and why he did it. I don't care what Jim Keats thinks. I care what you think, and if you don't believe me, then what's the point? Oh, my God. It's all right, Chris, we're all here. I think we found our grave. Do you have any idea how serious this is? Yes, I do. It's going to be one out of the last chapter, eh, Jimbo? And doesn't that sum it up? It's going to be the heck of a last chapter, chapter, Jimbo. And of course, this is where it, to me, it all pivoted the uh, the arrival at this uh, old deserted house, um, and the uh, you know the scarecrow and the uh, the 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 police number on the lapel. Um, and who wants to take uh, this scene over and talk about it? Well, Tim, go ahead, because <laughs> Dave and I have said plenty. <laughs> What well, to say now? Well, 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 first of all, I mean, one of the things that you you said earlier in the show was about the you know the, um, the 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 time on the last episode. I think I think about the length of the last one, and and I think this is where it showed a little bit of um, you know the cutting uh, and very apt uh, segue here, because you well, mentioned because you it's did. It's going to be interesting to find out when the DVD comes out how much they actually shot and that we'll get as deleted scenes because um, it's a bit unclear whether it was both episodes were going to be longer but the story that broke uh, the week that the last one aired was that either both were going to be 90 minutes or the very last one was going to be 90 minutes and uh, the BBC had put a kibosh on this and so well, it, it kind of depends on when they'd put the kibosh on it, I guess, as to whether it was um, after things had been shot and they had to edit it down to an hour, or whether it was in more of the earlier production stage and it was to do with the, the way the thing was written. But um, yeah. hopefully, a bit like uh, last week's Doctor Who, where we know that uh, there's a a few bits floating around there that we can see extra bits of character development. Um, hopefully they'll have um, uh, shot some of this uh, missing stuff and it'll be interesting to see what is missing. Right. According to what I read online, um, one of the interviews, I think it was done uh, from one of the newspapers, is that there was an awful lot more footage um, and I think that I think it was I believe it was Matthew Graham who was saying that they went through and did an edit and they took 15 minutes. They cut it down by like 15 minutes, but then they had to make further cuts 
for the for the time slot. So I don't know whether that refers to the fact that they cut it down to 90, and then were told that they you know had to cut it further. I don't know, but they may they may have that, cut it cut they may have been told to cut it to an hour. Right. Because right. They, then, they they may have thought originally they'd have got a longer the slot, and then the BBC said no, we just want a standard length episode. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, so so what they cool. basically said is then after they made their original cut, um, I think Monastic uh, did the final cut on it, and and Matthew or Ashley, I can't remember who it was. Uh, they said that they they really did like it, so they were they were happy with the cuts that were made. But they said there's an awful lot of footage, and they did allude to the fact that they would like to release it on a box set. So I have oh, it must, for that. must do that, yeah. yeah and I, I mean, and I hope it gives us the option of watching it either like way. a director's cut, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is that um, I mean there was a lot of revelation there, but I mean I I, I couldn't understand why he was holding the gun up to her because we were we were all following the line that this was Sam's grave at this point um, and then some of us were well some of us were some of us who were enlightened were and then of course uh, Gene uh, he does great acting because he does this sort of acting which I think a lot of actors do where they actually have a passive face and let the viewer read the emotion that's going on uh, you know, uh, uh, so you can either f- read fear, or you can read, re- you know, uh, in introspection, or realization, dawning realization, or whatever it is. And almost if, wherever the story's going, that that plays that emotion onto the actor's face. If they can do this passive look, and that that seemed to me what was happening. I mean, but the, uh, there was a slight confusion because there was all this about, um, you know, being 1953, because there were the cutbacks to the the three of them characters uh, watching their videotapes one after the other, which was a very, very powerful scene. Uh, unbelievably powerful. The whole mood of the show changed, and it seemed to be a sea change to me. You could argue dramatically it worked, but uh, you know, I was—I thought as though I was catching up. I was, uh, my brain was a good five, ten, fifteen seconds behind what was happening on screen. So maybe that's me. Uh, the other thing right. that was—I um, found it difficult to to understand the quick pattern was in the dark uh, building with the shutters and so on, and Keats comes out of the the, the darkness, as it were. Uh, 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 the story that Gene was telling I wasn't sure whether he was telling the story that he got shot with his shotgun uh, as a young copper he'd got panicky and he'd shot his boss because he said you know he had a, this bloke that was helping him and he was a young green copper only 19 and if Romana here uh, she would uh, say, as she said before, that uh, it explains a lot to know that Gene Hunt was died at such a young age. Some of the, the quips he comes out with. But it, to me, it wasn't quite absolutely clear on whether he was saying, you know, he fired the shotgun off in panic and he killed his boss, or that he himself had got killed. So it, it, I had to reassess that scene in light of what uh, was happening um, now I've only got two more clips to play and they're both sort of more light hearted clips to end because I thought we wanted a bit of a lift but um, just do we want to go into the darkness a little bit and about the actual um, you know the, the mood the realisation that was coming that for each of the actors 
as they'd watched the videos, they realised they were dead. Suddenly, all the other coppers in the police station disappeared. The lighting changed. And then after the, the, the scene at the house, we go back and Keats barges back in. Um, and I think you want to take this scene in. The one where he actually attacks uh, Gene Hunt. And Gene Hunt looks, you know... Uh, down and out for the count as it were and there's a funny quick edit scene isn't there yeah um well i mean you you see them all kind of going in there and you think everybody's gonna it's gonna be one of these little talking moments where they're gonna come in and they're gonna say well, like, come on explain but no right before they turn in the door we go one last thing and he starts beating the the jesus out of jane and drags it into the uh the office just so he can kind of um belittle Jane even more in front of everyone but one of the things when, when Keats is saying he's just a kid um, just a snot-nosed kid or something along those lines and he kicks him and for one of the takes when they cross to him kicking him it's actually young Jane in his uniform mm. which I thought was just fabulous it's just that brief thing they don't do it again it's just that one little spot and I thought that was well clever <laughs> mm, yeah uh, uh, do you want to comment on that uh, Tim because the next one I want to talk about is when they go down to the lift area but do you want to comment on that whole scene of the roof coming off Do you did that catch you by surprise it certainly did me yeah I, I thought that was very well handled the way that um, Jean's been beaten up on the floor and just, just for a, a brief cutaway it, it's the young gene and it, it's 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 keeps kind of like blowing the gaff on what's really going on even after yeah. they've seen those tapes and so the, 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 the they already realize part of the truth and he's kind of like saying look he's your boss he's been lying to you all this time you can't even trust him yeah He's been dismantled in front of them, just as the office is dismantled in front of them. Uh, and then yeah. he, he offers them what that seems to be a way out. He offers them, uh, um, you know, another station, another job, which you, you think... I thought, well, I thought there's some this interesting work? playing with time moments in that, because he, he, he takes them into that other building, and, and at first you think, oh, oh, they're still in the early 80s, because these two characters walk by and they've got very 80s clothes on and then he suddenly handed a a mobile phone which would in fact not be from uh, about 83 would probably be from at least 86 or something yeah it's a big and so, big so he, he, he's yeah. kind of like hinting to the fact that he's kind of it's his domain now and More like he, the 90s, he's kind of thought, like yeah yeah, well, it's not a '90s mobile phone. It is right. an '80s one because it's right. it's it is got to carry something, carry a sort of block of batteries and the phone. Yeah, but those ones didn't come in for at least another three or four years. They were sort of mid '80s they started coming in. Right, and we're going down into the basement at this point, aren't we? To the the lift section. Right. Yeah. Now, I, it, I think it, we ought to go on. And the, the the lift doors open, and it's at this point that it's it, 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 it's the big reveal, and they don't 
all three of them don't get it immediately. And I think Shaz cottons on pretty quickly because the doors open. Yeah. They can hear those screams, and she she grabs um, oh God, what's his name? Ray. No, 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 no. Sorry. Oh, she grabs um, the other one. Grabs Chris. Um, Chris. And it, it's at that moment where she goes, "Oh, I'm not sure about this." Yeah. That yeah. he starts coming over to her side, and the the process starts of them turning on Keats and not not right. trusting him. Right. I uh, think uh, if there's any cuts, there's probably a few cuts there because it doesn't kind of make sense to me when when Shaz is like, "I think we should get out of here," and then the next thing is she shows up at the at in, know, uniform. in in the flight uniform and and uh, yeah and and he says what about you know um DC Skelton and 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 um right and DC Carling and yeah. and he and she says sorry gov now there was nothing to me there that alluded to the fact that she left them there to decide for themselves it just kind of right. there was a quick cut so i'm thinking that there's a few things missing from there too. Yeah, and I think we also mentioned that I think it was Romana. I don't think it was Romana herself, but one of her friends pointed out that when Keats pressed that uh, the the button to summon the lift, it hits the number six button three times. Obviously six six six. Another bit I'm going to have to go back and look out for now. Clearly, the <laughs> the number of the beast. Yeah. Mm. So um, we then. Um, I mean, we want to wrap up soon. Um, I'm not too sure whether I should play uh, this. I'll play, I'll play this one clip, and then we'll perhaps talk about the events that happened. Well, either comment on this clip, and then go to the events outside the pub. But you'll like this bit. the Quattro. Bloody killed by Quattro. Oi! I'm arresting you for murdering my car, you dyke-digging tosspots! <laughs> That's a takedown. Job done. So what now then, Gov? I'm sorry about the language there. Uh, Apologise with the younger viewers in the room, but uh, it, it was of its time, and they'd just uh, come out of a gun battle, so um, we'll excuse it for this one moment. Uh, comments on that, guys? Who wants to go first? Yeah, it was sad to see uh, It was very sad. But it, it, it gave yeah, rise to that beautiful line, too. So. Mm. <laughs> And okay. they, they they kind of rubbed it in a bit too because the director says, "Okay, slow mo time." <laughs> yeah, poor, poor old bits of Quattro flying elegantly across the screen. Yeah, uh, there was a bit I didn't play that I thought playing, but perhaps it's as well I didn't. Before that, Ray get, comes into uh, possession of this sh 
sawn-off shotgun and he's showing it to the new station manager and he's upset when he doesn't get excited at seeing a sawn-off shotgun. <laughs> but, uh, but we'll leave that out of the commentary at the moment. Yeah. So, um, before I play the last one, which um, the last clip I've got, by the way, I, I know Ian will like, it's um, the, the final uh, scene, as it were. So, uh, before that, I was going to try and find a, a scene outside the pub, but it's so beautiful and so eloquent, um, it would have butchered it if I'd tried to do it in a, right. a minute or two. Uh, and it lasts about four or five minutes. Well, we can't play a great long clip like that in the middle of the show. So we're, 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 it's taking them to the pub after that little clip. And, of course, Ray's flabbergasted because the pub should be in Manchester, and now it's down here in London. Uh, <laughs> and... Um, who should step out of the pub? Do you want to tell and give a little bit of a background to this bit, Ian? Yes, we we do see the, the railway arms, of, it. of course. Yeah, you stepped out. Of course, we see the railway arms, and of course, the everybody's a little confused except for Jane. Jane's like, "Yep, it's the pub." Um, <laughs> and of course, then Nelson comes out, and that was great to kind of see Nelson because. It was never elaborated on, of course, on Life on Mars, but we always got the feeling, and that was one of the things that kind of bugged me mm -hmm. once Life on Mars finished, is that we never got an explanation on Nelson, because Nelson always just seemed not quite like double meanings, it, wasn't he? Yeah. He would yeah. say something that you could interpret as just, it just fell right, or it could be a hint to to uh, Sam what was going on, but it right. was never clarified, yeah. No. It always, it always walked a fine line, which was uh, I thought was really, really interesting. And Tim, uh, I mean, there's an awful lot in that scene, of course, but we're, we're coming to the point where they, 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 they've, it's not only realised they're dead, they've accepted um, their fate, as it were. Uh, and I just point out that, you know, th this is where the link to... Um, Wizard of Oz comes in, in a way, because uh, um, Re uh, Ray... Uh, sorry, Chris got his ability to stand up to the boss. You know, he got his uh, uh, his self-respect back, as it were. Uh, in a way, um, so did Ray Carlin, because he'd had all this guilt about um, the, the the way he'd let, felt he'd let down his father. But um, he, he again, he'd led part of the um, the final investigation, so he'd proved himself. And of course, the the girl Chaz, uh, she got. Um, accepted a, a, as a full member of the the group. So they'd each come to the realisation that uh, their time in limbo was at an end. And, um, of course, uh, for Chris, the crowning uh, reason for him to go was that Chaz uh, openly admitted that all this time, although she'd been upset with some of the things he'd done in the past, she really did love him. Um, <laughs> and of course Ray then something went a bit reluctant because he said I'm not going in the pub and we're talking girly talk I mean we're going to the pub and oh. talk darts and football and pints you know <laughs> and uh, the, the, the way the pub was lit was great as well wasn't it because it was extremely bright inside the pub uh, and two things I'd like to comment on and, and I want you guys to mention it as well mention your own thoughts one is that once they go in the doors opened you hear the theme tune of uh, Sam Tyler, the Life on Mars theme, very gently. And then as soon as they go in, you don't see their shadows against the windows. They almost melt into the light. So, having picked the two best things to say, I'll leave you two points to pick out the best. 
<laughs> the bits of of course Gene doesn't go into the pub and we've got Alex still outside with him Right. This, I mean, this was among the bits okay. I was having to explain to my brother earlier this evening because and thinking about it just now um, lifts a lot of people don't even like going in lifts they find them claustrophobic and they get uh, a bit of a fear and a phobia about them sticking and all that sort of thing and so the, the symbolism of a lift and particularly a lift that's going down is very strong and then you get the pub which is kind of the opposite end of it because it's it's it in in warm and welcoming warm and welcome it's where you go to meet your friends and have fun conversations and a good meal and a drink and what have you and uh, so it, it was a it was a very good um very interesting way to symbolize a a, a positive afterlife Right. Yeah, I think and even a few agnostics would like that as a, <laughs> a possible uh, exit route. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I mean, it's, it, it it is a good end, especially you know, coppers off to the pub after, uh, and it was just an all round good scene because I just remember being almost brought to tears that you know the three of them were going, and they're going towards the pub and you're like no don't go don't go and then they start that little rant like you know oh, I don't want to go in there and talk about girly stuff oh it's a wonder you two hadn't tied the knot already <laughs> and, and, and it kind of snaps you into sharp relief and it's just like oh <laughs> I was kind of brought back from crying on that but it's like don't do that to me I was all, <laughs> all ready for a good old cry Right. Now, just to bring us back to this point. Now, they've made the acceptance, but Alex is still not sure. She's thinking, um, different lines, isn't she? She's thinking that she can get back to her daughter. And it's at this point that um, uh, Jim Keats comes up and um, he tries to one last time to persuade her to go with him and that, that Jean is not to be trusted. And he pulls out Molly's scar from his round his neck uh, and and the, uh, one of the strongest emotions, and I think this was really great, one of the strongest emotions that people say in, in emotional senses is the sense of smell. And and she cups um, Molly's scarf to her, um, you know, and, and she, in, well, she knows it is Molly's scarf. How he's come by it, we don't know. We don't question that. But um, something must trigger off in uh, Alex's brain because she suddenly... And I, I, it was throwing me from it. She asked for the time. Now, again, they don't. One of the great things about uh, this series and this last uh, series in particular is they didn't cheat because the clues are all there. How often did that clock come into it? You know, the, when it was clicking over from five minutes past nine to six minutes past nine, and uh, she asked to see his clock. And when she's looking at it, sorry, his watch. Uh, they refer back to the, the, you know, in the wine bar and a couple of other times when he's been reluctant to the time. And it's at that point, uh, well, I assume the understanding is that that was her time of death. I mean, mm. anybody want to elaborate on that before? Because uh, she's, she's then thinking, if she can't stay here, is Molly lost? And that's the first time that actually Jean... 
acknowledges the fact that he knows that Molly exists, doesn't it? So, right. Ian, I mean, mm-hmm. for a very complex bit. Of uh, yes, but also very simply done, and it was nicely done because I mean. I think we figured that she she wasn't going to go back. I mean, at least I had. I, I mind you, it sounds really bad, but I didn't want her to go back because that would have been a cop out. Oh yeah, go back to your lovey dovey life. And like after the way life on Mars ended, I didn't want that, you know, because that was a strong thing to do. And it, it worked so well, and you know, keeps trying to that one last thing to 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 get her. You you knew he wouldn't be taking her back. Mm. And and it just further emphasised the point that she was actually dead because he was offering her something that she couldn't actually have because he was desperate. You know that was the last ditch effort. So right. it, it was I think well done and you know. And of course, Gene then seemed to get his strength back because he was the one that was able to attack Keats. But Tim, any thoughts on that final resolution for Alex? Uh- I, I thought I thought it was brave, but at the same time, that was very reassuring that um, you can get this in a British show where they 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 will bite the bullet and say, okay, we've got the audience with us. They don't mind if it's a bit dark and it it, it ends on a bit of a downer for one of our main characters and. You can't help but thinking if this was being tied up by an American network, someone would be saying, "Oh no, she must get back to her daughter." Yeah. And they 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 yeah. they, 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 they they do get a little over obsessed with the upbeat ending on some of those shows. And um, yeah, you can imagine it, it, some sort it was, of celestial was, light lighting her up. I was left I was left thinking, well, it's very sad, but at the same time, it's a proper ending. Yeah. Yeah, right. you you can imagine some of them show sort of a celestial light lighting up, and she wakes up in the bedroom with her daughter, you know, offering her a teddy bear sort of thing. But <laughs> not quite as bad as that. But that's the point. And then of course, um, as she then leaves, uh, we're left. Uh, first of all, what this ending did achieve, by the way, is that it didn't end with Gene Hunt looking weak and himself uh, laid in a bed somewhere. Uh, I mean. It's not the final scene, and I've got a clip of the final scene to end our show with. I don't think we'll have any outros in, if you don't mind. I'll, I'll finish with that scene, and and uh, we maybe better say our goodbyes before I play that. But you see him standing firm in the dark night, uh, as it were, with uh, Jim Keats going away to lick his wounds, with the em- the inference that you know this is an eternal struggle between the two, um, right. but he's not on his bed. So um, let me just ask both of you uh, to wrap up your final thoughts and then we're just going to do what might be classed as the end scene, our little um, epilogue scene right at the end and and I'll end the recording as that ends. So um, uh, if you want to just say one last piece each and your goodbyes, I'm not going to uh, say any adverts about our other shows. You do know you can catch them uh, by subscribing to us on iTunes or join us each Sunday uh, on Touch Your ID 54821. So uh, let me go to um, Tim first. Sorry to put you on the spot, Tim, but I, I'd rather like Ian to have the last uh, word. I'll play the clip, end the recording. So, Tim, final thoughts about that little last scene uh, that we see where where Gene goes back to the 
you know the uh, the police station with a new group of guys about him uh but it was funny a light-hearted ending or whatever you want to say uh, and any final summation of the whole thing because this is the last cult and collective about ashes to ashes well that 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 scene kind of um it signifies what what gene's role is and um as you you were saying on your commentary he he's never going to go in that pub because that's not for him to do he's there to guide the others towards it and um he's 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 back in his office and he's got all his comforts around him his 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 cowboy posters on the wall and his his bottle of strong drink in the desk and then you you hear some someone walk in and and start saying all this stuff like where's my iphone where's my <laughs> office and 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 it, and it 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 has that wonderful thing that you get now and again with dramas not very often where it just comes full circle and you get that tight close-up on him, and he goes, a word in your shell-like. And that's kind of where they finish it, and I thought, oh, that's a nice finish, that is. That's really nice. A good upbeat and, finish, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and to to go back to um, Life on Mars itself, um, I think it was one of the first programs to benefit from what we have to call the Doctor Who effect, where Doctor Who had come back in... Um, 2005 and was successful and so clearly at this point the BBC were poking around and go this science fiction lark it's popular again is it <laughs> have we got any projects that people have been offering us that, that we can um, kick start and I think um, Life on Mars had been offered to the BBC at least once and they turned it down but the the writers believed in it, and so it sort of kept it on the back burner and kept ideas floating around in case it did one day get commissioned. And I think that that, that was um, of benefit for um, Doc, Doctor Who being successful. And um, it, it, oh, it, yeah. it, I think it's I think a similar thing happened in the states in the. Um, late 80s because Star Trek came back with the next generation and because that was so successful it led to other networks commissioning sci-fi and there being a whole wave of it but um right um i think i think they've got um the 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 writers have got um i can't remember what it was but they've got another project on the boil now that will um hit our screens in the next um, the year outside, or so. The Outsiders are you talking about? Ah, yes, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, um, do you want to end in one sentence? I mean, are you satisfied with the way it's ended? Uh, and, you know, just a final word from you before I'll say something and I want uh, Ian to have the last uh, last speak. So, is that it? Uh, you want one last? Would you, can you sum it up in one sentence? The whole experience of, you know. Well, the, the, the I'll, I'll I'll end just by saying of, of, of Ashes to Ashes that it was a very satisfying and intelligent ending, and it, it created one of those water cooler moments because those people who haven't got their heads round it will have no doubt have friends who go, oh yes, it was this, this, and this. Yeah. And so it, it, it's good to have a program that's not 
talked down to the audience and you can watch it and it, it, it does make you think and you don't always get that from drama. Okay. Well, thank you, Tim. You've been a, a great uh, asset to this show today. I've enjoyed your inputs. What I will just say myself before I hand to Ian and play the final clip is uh, one unfortunate uh, side effect that you, when you said the Doctor Who effect, was the poor old year after year on the National TV Awards, poor uh, 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 Philip Gledister, who plays uh, Gene Hunt, was... Um, <laughs> was overlooked because David Tennant kept getting all the accolades and awards. But one last link to Doctor Who is that Series 1, one of the co-writers was Chris Chibnall and the Doctor Who double two-parter that we're just having at the moment, uh, and that is the, the Hungry Earth that was on last week in the UK and Cold Blood uh, this coming, uh, well, tomorrow in fact, uh, they were written by Chris Chibnall, uh, I call him Date because he looks like him. Um, uh, oh. He was one of the writers in series one of Life on Mars. So, uh, I mean, the, it must have given him one of his very first starts. Uh, and and, and um, we'll no doubt see work from these writers again. So I'm going to hand to Ian, who, who loves this series, to have the final word. And then I'll play us out with the last clip. Alrighty. Well, the... I mean, the end of the show couldn't have been couldn't have been better because the one thing that over the period of Life on Mars and Ashes to Ashes, the person we all came to love, no matter how how many people he beat the the Jesus out of, um, what he called people, how brash he was, how sexist, how racist, how homophobic, we all love the Gene Genie. And so, to end it with Gene doing what Gene does best, it it was just perfect. Uh, because it gives you that, even though you know Chris and Ray and Shaz and and Alex, and of course Sam are gone, there's just this comforting feeling that the universe that that, that all this took uh, took place in is still in good hands and and the Gene Genie is still in charge. <laughs> so that's pretty much it for me. Um, I think we've, over the course of the last three or four shows, said pretty much all there is for us to say about it. Uh, so I think uh, it's time to get out of here. But before we go, I uh, want to thank uh, Zimpot69, the Celestial Toymaker, Jumpy Ghostface for joining us, and of course uh, Mike Randall Thor, who is having technical difficulties and had to bow out. And of course, thank you to Tim, and thank you to Dave for holding down the fort while I was, you know, speeding down the road in my quattro. <laughs> right. Time to close it out there, Dave. Fire okay. Quattro. Cheers, everybody, and thanks for listening, and we'll fade out with this. Where's my office? Oh, where's my office? Right here. Where's my office? Why don't you morons say something? Where's my office?
word in your shell like pal. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.